What's up, you guys? Good to be back. Episode 5 of the Sauce Lab podcast. NFL free agency is on the way, and talks are picking up, and I really cannot wait. I've been wanting to make this episode for another week. I'm so excited to get back, start talking to you guys. Uh, March Madness is right around the corner. NBA All-Star Weekend just happened, and I'm feeling good. I think the sports world's a-blazing, and with NFL free agency coming right around the corner, I think there are so many analysts and media outlets that are talking about possibilities and different things like that. So today's episode I want to cover, obviously I'm going to do this week in the NFL. I'm going to be doing a head coach rankings, the one that I wanted to do in the last video. I'm going to be going over like a tier list type thing that I made for that. And then 10 players who are going to be steals at their price point in free agency. I'm going to give you 10 players who aren't like stars and best of the bunch and best at their position, but players who will go for a smaller deal, likely not on the first day, likely not on the first three days, that are going to end up kicking ass and doing so well on their team. So first, we're going to start it off with this week in the NFL. Now, before I start the timer, I'm going to say that not too much has happened that's in that's in stone right now, but all the stuff that's been happening has just been basically rumors. I'll start it off with three things that did happen for sure, and then the rest are just going to... I'm going to ramble off some names who've been mentioned in trade talks, and things have been picking up, and I really hope to see each and every one of them move, just because not that I like to have people leave the team that they were good on, but I love to see movement around the NFL and see moves that'll make other teams good, so I would love to see any and every of these players getting traded. But ready, we'll start the clock in three, two, one, go. Broncos franchise tag Justin Simmons, Anthony Sherman fullback for the Chiefs retires, Steelers restructure Ben Roethlisberger's contracts that he stays for another season, and the players who have been mentioned in trade talks include Russell Wilson, Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo, Stephon Gilmore, Brandon Brooks, Michael Brockers, Zach Ertz, Preston Smith, Kevin Zeitler, Trent Brown, David Njoku, Geno Atkins, Emmanuel Sanders, Quan Alexander, Chase Daniel, Trey Turner, and Latavius Murray. Now, just looking back at that list, the players on that list are either consist of players who are edging the end of their contract and they want to get some value for them before they hit the open market. Some players are too old and on too big of a contract and they're trying to get that number off the books. Some of them, they just don't fit the scheme that the team is trying to run anymore. Uh, for the first three, I think for the Seahawks, it's Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. They just have different ideas. Pete Carroll's a run-first quarterback. They tried to let Russ cook, and obviously they fell short last year. Though he was successful in the year, and up to week eight, he was probably the MVP. Uh, it just didn't work out. Sam Darnold, because the Jets have the second pick, I don't think that they've given up on him and they think that he's awful. I just think that there are better options and better routes to go. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, I think that they have a roster that's ready to win the Super Bowl right now. And Jimmy Garoppolo is not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. So the two just don't coincide. So Jimmy Garoppolo has been mentioned in trade talks as well. I think that because of his $25 million cap hit, there is a possibility that they cut him. I think that they will eventually find something for him, but they might. They just might cut him. And a big heads up just about all these names and stuff. People are probably at home saying, why are all these players being mentioned in trade talks? It hasn't been like... 15 people right before free agency ever, but I think that it's because the salary cap is going to go down in the next coming weeks. The NFL is going to announce how much the salary has 
salary cap has gone down due to COVID. So players are starting to shred the big cap players from their roster. And in this free agency pool, there might be more free agents than we've seen in the past, which is going to lead to more and more amazing money deals that I'm going to get to later. But that is it. Now, with all these players leaving in free agency and getting traded and drafted and things like that, you're going to need somebody to run the show, a head coach who knows what they're doing. And what I've done is I've broken down all of the head coaches in the NFL and put them into a certain category along with the rest of them to see where they play out and how good they are just as people themselves, like just as a dude who's running an organization, not who's on the roster, not what the team has been in the past. This is based on what I've seen during their 10 years in the league. This is how good they are as a head coach. So I'm going to go over my tiers that I have before I say the players in them, and then I'll go over the tiers or who's in them. First, we have the guru tier. Then we have the young with guru potential players that or coaches that have the potential to be in that first tier but haven't gotten there just quite yet the veteran who gets it done with what they have the veteran with famed legacy but an older view it depends on the year currently on the hot seat and then the we'll have to wait and see a big thing with the coaches is i think that none of them are really bad right now obviously Obviously, if I were to do this ranking at a different time, maybe before Black Monday, before they, before Bill O'Brien got fired, before players like that got fired, or coaches like that got fired, then I would have had a bad tier. But because the new head coaching hirings have came out, there's really no bad tier. It's just the mediocre and then the or the good the mediocre and then the we don't know and we'll just see what they become obviously those might become bad but we'll see so now starting it off we are going to go from i guess we'll go last to first now actually to start it off we're gonna go first to last so we're gonna go with our guru tier actually within the tiers too i've ranked the the coaches which in total should be my rankings of one through 32 so I'll say my tier, and then I give you the rankings that fall under it, and I keep going, like, listing it in numerical order. Now, the way that I've put this list together is that I am doing people who I would want my running my team going into the 2021 season. Now, this is not legacy. Obviously, their legacy matters, but how many Super Bowls they've won doesn't matter. How What their career record is doesn't matter. It's what they've done recently and what I can see that they'll do in the current NFL to my team to help us win at this point in time. It's in the, in the guru tier, we have number one, Andy Reid of the Kansas City Chiefs. Number two, Sean McVay of the LA Rams. Number three, Kyle Shanahan of the San Francisco 49ers. Number four, Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots. And number five, Sean Payton of the New Orleans Saints. Now, what we've seen from these guys are all genius in the way that they run mostly their offense, but I think that all of these teams have extremely stout defenses as well. Andy Reid, we've seen really revolutionize the game of football with his new quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, and runs this air raid, deep throwing style offense. Mahomes can just freely run around the backfield and toss up these gems. Now, obviously, it's Andy Reid's doing it and Patrick Mahomes is doing it. I'm not saying that it's all credited to just Andy Reid, but seeing what he's done over the past three seasons, going conference championship, Super Bowl win, and then Super Bowl loss, that is just stupendous. And I see him being the number one. 
McVeigh and Shanahan are both much younger, but what we've seen is that they've both already made the Super Bowl in their short 10 years with the teams. McVeigh now finally has Matt Stafford to run his crazy sweeps, Cooper Cup short. It's what both of these and then the Niners, just sorry to go off on a tangent, they're like this run first, they utilize so much pre-snap motion and Debo Samuel looks like a half running back half wide receiver and people are running up in weird formations and just the things that those two coaches are doing is what the new age of the NFL is with all this movement with players lining up at positions that we've never seen them all these different things that I think ultimately I think that these two young minds are the new minds that every head coach is going to try to shape their game after and they're going to try to make that same sort of thing where you can establish the run but then also open it up with play action pass so much movement I think that that's the new wave Bill Belichick obviously you know who he is he is the general manager and head coach for the New England Patriots the one that I said that they should trade silly enough but he is always runs the most tight-knit team it's everyone in the building. It's whether you were the first pick in the draft or the last pick in the draft. You have the exact same reason for being here, and that's to play football. And he gets the most out of his players 100% of the time. Even though he did fail to miss the playoffs this past year, I still think that he has the chops to be a top five and still be considered a guru head coach. And then Sean Payton, we've seen with the Saints, they are just year in and year out consistently playing for a Super Bowl. Obviously, you can attribute that to Drew Brees, but even when we saw Drew Brees go out, Teddy Bridgewater was getting wins. When Teddy Bridgewater wasn't there, Taysom Hill was getting wins. When Taysom Hill wasn't there, Jameis Winston was getting wins. It, it's a cycle of winning in New Orleans. And I think that that is very, very credited to Sean Payton. He's also done an incredible job at getting the most out of all of his players all the time. They've had while they haven't had an amazing first round for the past couple of years, every single year they've managed to find these guys in Anyamada and Ryan Ramchek and Michael Thomas and Kamara and all these incredible pieces all around their roster. I know I said Anyamada first, but I, they just consistently hit on all these late draft picks. And I think that that just goes to show how incredible of a head coach he is. The young with guru potential... I have number six, Sean McDermott, number seven, Kevin Stefanski, number eight, Matt LaFleur, number nine, Mike Vrabel, and number 10, Brian Flores. All of these guys are very young, especially very new to their teams that they've gone to, but these five teams have all seen an, ex an insane amount of success, especially this past year. The Bills, we're now seeing something very similar to what the Chiefs do with Josh Allen, who also has that deep ball and utilizes all of his receivers so well. Cole Beasley on the short, Stephon Diggs, medium and long. They just know what to do. Kevin Stefanski, uh, new, it, it's only his first year in Cleveland, but after winning Coach of the Year, I do think that he definitely has the potential to be a guru. He knows how to establish the run with one of the best run games, as well as he made the most out of Baker Mayfield and made him have his best season of his career. Matt LaFleur and the Packers, again, it's you can attribute it to Aaron Rodgers, but we see it, it works. Aaron Jones had emerged... Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Alan Lazard, two guys that you could say are 5th, 6th level receivers, were looking like Pro Bowl level people when they were lined up at the 2. 
He got the most out of Robert Tanyan and really just runs an incredible offense. Mike Vrabel also has the luxury of having having Derrick Henry, but due to Derrick Henry, he knows how to open up the play-action pass and make Ryan Tannehill back into a franchise quarterback. He was on the decline, and Tennessee was probably going to have him for one, maybe two years, and then he's gone. But now he's looking very efficient. He knows how to throw the deep ball. He's getting the most out of A.J. Brown. And lastly, Brian Flores, who took over the Dolphins, the team that was supposed to be tanking for Tua just last year and is now one game out of the playoffs with an extremely talented roster. They're ready to win now, and I think that Flores has the aggression and the get-up-in-your-face. I think that all six, all five of these guys actually have an insane amount of aggression, too, and unlike somebody like Adam Gase, who stood in the corner and picked his nose, these guys are all out there, and we're going to do this, and we're going to win, especially Mike, Bra Mike Vrabel and Brian Flores. They're very get-in-your-face type guys, and I love that in, in the dude who's going to lead your team. Next, I've got the veterans who get it done with what they have, and that's number 11, Frank Reich, number 12, John Harbaugh, number 13, Ron Rivera, and number 14, Bruce Arians. These guys all were pretty successful this year. Obviously, Bruce Arians was incredibly successful, but the only reason why I put him here is because we've seen in the Jameis Winston, like, he loves to throw it long, clearly. He loves Mike Evans. He loves these deep receivers. But And though we've seen him in places where he is extremely successful, we've also seen him not be. Jameis Winston's 30 interceptions comes to mind, things like that. Ron Rivera, obviously... Is is a Super Bowl making player and took the. Oh, I don't know why I have Ron Rivera as the Raiders. That is a mistake. But for football team, he led the football team to a one possession game against Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers in the first round, and all around had a season that nobody was expecting from the Washington football team, which was making the playoffs and being a contender. Uh, the reason why he's down here and not up in the Young with Guru potential or Guru is because he was fired from the Carolina Panthers years ago. So we've seen him obviously have his lows. We've seen him has, have his highs. We also have John Harbaugh for the Ravens. The Ravens are another, and, and the Colts actually, are both teams that always seem to be in, the, in contention. They're never one of the top five picks in the league. They're always just going to be at least decent or really good. We saw even with Phillip Rivers last year, the Colts knew how to get it done, and they have a Super Bowl winning roster right now. John Harbaugh created this new offense around Lamar Jackson where he's free to run around, utilize their running backs, though they haven't really utilized the wide receivers. E even the defense has been really good, and I think that those are guys, some more defensive-minded that are really great at what they do and if you have them running your team they're going to show leadership they're they've been here for a while they know how to get shit done and yeah next one is actually an extra tier that i didn't even say it's just the joe judge tier <laughs> i think that's kind of funny but i just don't see him as bad as the people below him yet i don't see him as a young with guru potential and or a veteran who gets it done with what they have he was just recently a special teams coordinator for the patriots went over the giants and then had a very successful year quote unquote it was very successful in that they were almost fighting for a playoff spot in the worst division in the nfl yet they had a really awful roster so i think that their record did come out to a higher number than what they expected but still, this is why I don't put him in the same tier as uh, Brian Flores, Mike Vrabel, LaFleur, 
people like that because he j just didn't have as many wins yet. So for as much as he did do better with what he had and is still very young, we got to see a little bit more. Yet he did good enough that we don't got to see, got to see. We know that he's at least can do well with what he's got, but I can't yet put him in the guru category. Veteran of fame legacy, but an older view. I have Pete Carroll at 16 and Mike Tomlin at 17. These are two people. They Even last season, they were extremely successful in their record and getting the most out of their quarterbacks and their offenses, but they both fell short at the end of the year, and it was really put on a public stage that Mike Tomlin and his consistent passing and not really utilizing the run game, Steelers were the worst running offense in the NFL, and even though they started off to an amazing 11-0 start, they skidded at the end extremely hard, and that is never something that you want out of your team, and if you're the head coach, that is put back on you. It, through the After the first loss, I remember him in the press conference, he was like, oh yeah, it's it, we'll just go back to work, and it, he was almost kind of even happy that he got the loss under his belt, and then as he kept going, he looked more and more worried, and then by the time that they were knocked out of the playoffs by the Cleveland Browns, they were like, yep, it's time to make some real big changes. Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, uh, he's the oldest head coach in the league. He wants to run the ball, it seems, even with this MVP-level quarterback who can sling it, and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. It just seems like they just have a different view, and his view seems like one that could end up getting him fired in the next two to three years, and or retiring and then goes off on good terms, even if the Seahawks don't have an amazing roster. The depends on the year players. This is also a you gotta wait and tell type thing. I have Matt Rule of the Panthers, Mike Zimmer of the Minnesota Vikings, Mike McCarthy of the Cowboys, and Vic Fangio of the Broncos. Rule, I think, is the guy for the Panthers. Again, he's just on a very short time there so far. Mike Zimmer, while he's shown that he's a veteran and can get it done, like this is what I'm saying, it really depends on the year. This past year, they managed to miss the playoffs. He was also their coach when they had the playoff season, and they, were, they had Case Keenum, who was slinging the ball to Stephon Diggs. Mike McCarthy coming from Green Bay, we've seen him be productive, but most recently the Cowboys really fell short. It was a lot due to the injury of Dak Prescott, but still that means that Mike McCarthy is now in this place where he's not a surefire winner. He didn't have Aaron Rodgers, and now he's, we'll see. I, I could make an argument that he could be on the hot seat this year, but I'd say for now, no. And lastly is Vic Fangio with the Broncos. Again, another veteran who I really like, but he's just never done anything on the Broncos that makes me say, oh, he's a guru. Oh, he's going to be a guru. Oh, he can. Right now, he's just very good. And we'll see when he has Drew Locke and a healthy Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and, and KJ Hamler and all these guys. Can he really get it done? Then the players that are, or the coaches that are on the hot seat, I've got Matt Nagy of the Bears at 22 and John Gruden of the Oakland Raiders at 23. Matt Nagy wants a coach of the year, and John Gruden wants the highest paid coach in the NFL. Both of them, just based on what they've done in the last years, they're two teams that fell in my limbo category that really don't have an amazing insight or, like, outlook, should I say, instead of insight, for the next couple years. I The Bears, without Mitch Trubisky, hopefully they can land Russell Wilson, but even so, is it so 
possible that Matt Nagy, who's already on the hot seat, can just take all the team's draft picks for the next couple of years and just make his own trade. I don't even know if that's possible because they might say, hey, Matt, you're actually going to be out of the building next year. I'd rather you draft some players, get this really good nucleus, and then we'll build from the draft rather than just trading all of their first-round picks for Russell Wilson. And then for John Gruden, though he's good, I think, again, it's a much older mind. It's not an offensive equipped for the NFL today. And I just don't see this possibility of them getting so much bigger and better with the roster that they currently have. I do love Darren Waller. I like their offensive line. I really like Max Crosby on their defense. But with Derek Carr at the helm and John Gruden running the show, I just don't see them being that fantastic this year. I could see a six-win season and they end up firing him, which obviously would put him on the hot seat. And then last but not least, I have my wait and see. This is player this is coaches that we'll see. <laughs> and it says it in the name. They're the ones that are at the top of this area. I definitely like a lot more than the ones that are at the bottom, but this is my ranking of half this is going to be half the my new head coach rankings and then half how I feel about Cliff Kingsbury and Zach Taylor. So if I were to rank them off, I'd go number 24, Robert Sala. Number 25, Urban Meyer. 26, Cliff Kingsbury. Number 27, Zach Taylor. 28, Arthur Smith. 29, Brandon Staley. 30, Nick Sirianni. 31, Dan Campbell. And 32, David Culley. Now the first two are Robert Sala and Urban Meyer, the two new head coaches for the Jaguars and Jets who own the first and second picks. I think that they have an amazing outlook for the NFL. They've never been head coaches in the NFL. Urban Meyer obviously having a lot of college success and Sala having defensive coordinator success, but both never having success as a head coach. So we'll see what they can do with Trevor Lawrence and likely Zach Wilson, maybe Deshaun Watson, maybe Russell Wilson, we'll see. Cliff Kingsbury and Zach Taylor are 26 and 27. Though they've been in the league for a little bit of time, they're still extremely young, and we haven't gotten to see them with this full firepower offense of what they're supposed to have. Cliff Kingsbury, you can make the argument, but the Cardinals continually didn't really like... At one point, they were doing the Hale Murray, and then at one point, they were falling short to teams that they should have beat. I still think that it's a bit early, with the J.J. Watt signing, this is going to be the year where I can either put Cliff Kingsbury in the future guru category, or I'm going to put him in the on the hot seat, going to be fired by next year category. Zach Taylor, he's been somewhat good. While Joe Burrow was, go- was gone, he wasn't amazing for any game except for the Steelers game, where I think that the Bengals came to play that game. And that's what I saw in Zach Taylor from that game. That's still probably my favorite game of the entire year, just watching a team that had no hope just demolish a team that had so much of it, which is hilarious. But I want to see Zach Taylor work with Joe Burrow when he's fully healthy, and then I can give my full assessment on where I think that he is. And then for the last five spots, I've got in this order, Arthur Smith for the Falcons, Brandon Staley for the Chargers, Nick Sirianni for the Eagles, uh, Dan Campbell for the Lions, David Culley for the Texans. Arthur Smith coming from Tennessee. He was the offensive coordinator. I love what they did on offense. I think that he could do something really special in Atlanta this year with Matt Ryan probably on his last year of being above average. Brandon Staley, I think that 
while he's a little bit worse the head coach he's definitely going to be dealing with the best roster out of these last five and he's going to get to play with the new toy in Justin Herbert and that is just incredible to any head coach they could do very something very very similar to the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills I think that they could do some air raid type with Keenan Allen Mike Williams is one of the best jump ball receivers if they can somehow retain Hunter Henry they're going to have a stacked offense for the next coming years and then Nick Sirianni Dan Campbell David Culley don't really know much about any three of them if I'm going to be completely honest with you I think that they're all entering extremely hard situations. Campbell has a very old school, bite your kneecaps off type mentality, which while that does, I think that that could be funny for it to be reinstated in some team that consistently gets head hunting calls and things like that, that really plays so aggressively. While it might be fun for the NFL, I don't think that it's a winning formula. David Culley, I think, is just there to shut up and let... Um, Jack Easterby run the show, which I don't love. And then Nick Sirianni is good, but does not run the same system as the one that Jalen Hurts would be for. And I just don't see that working in the immediate future. Maybe down the line it could after they do this full rebuild. But as of right now, I just don't see that. Now that is it for my head coaching tiers. Now we're going to be going into my 10 players who I think are going to be steals at their price point in free agency. These are players who are not the top of their positions, not even the top of anybody's radar, but players who I think that wherever they sign can make immediate impact now and do the do some sort of impact that people aren't going to realize on the stat sheet. Something that's going to be bigger than the stat sheet, something that's going to fly under the radar, <laughs> which is exactly what I was saying. I'm going to start it off with one of my, likely my favorite guy in free agency, a guy that I want the Jets to go after very badly, and I think that any single team in the NFL could use, and that is Curtis Samuel, the wide receiver from the Carolina Panthers. Actually, wide receiver halfback from the Carolina Panthers. He's only 24. You heard that right. He is still incredibly young. He's so, so fast. Though in his time in Carolina, he's only been limited to these short plays. I think that he could be a very good deep threat. But the thing that makes him most intriguing is that he does play this versatile role where he's so fast and he can line up at running back. He could line up at wide receiver and do these sweeps and these wide receiver designed runs and screens and these short plays that are so amazing for this positionless NFL that all the teams I think are slowly going to start to form to. I think that say that he goes somewhere like San Francisco or LA Rams, that would be just dangerous to have a Swiss Army knife like him who's so fast and can break defenses and is a game planning nightmare. I think that he would be a very good value signing. And uh, another thing to add to that is no matter how stacked your wide receiver room is, obviously you wouldn't want him because you're going to be paying him wide receiver money, but he wouldn't like take away touches. I don't feel like he's this insane possession heavy guy. He only needs three, four, five touches a game and he'll go for an insane amount of yards after the catch that other receivers just don't have. Next, I got two players in one position just because they're from the same team playing the same position and that's Mike Hilton and Cameron Sutton, both cornerbacks for the Steelers. 
uh, 27 and 26, respectively. They're still insanely young. Hilton's one of the best nickel corners in the NFL, has been for a while. They're very productive on a great Steelers defense that has a fantastic secondary. Sutton was the best PFF-ranked corner on the team, and that included Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson and Mike Hilton. Sutton was the highest ranked. Both are incredibly versatile. Sutton's great on the outside. Hilton's great in the nickel. And I think that both could make an impact wherever they go. Uh, it's going to be sad to see them split up, but I think that both could be very good value signings once the top corners and secondary players are off the market. Third, I've got Matt Breida, the running back who used to be with the 49ers and the Miami Dolphins. He's still only 26. He was extremely productive with the 49ers, but then again, who really wasn't? He was kind of a no-show for the Dolphins. They traded for him, and then they ended up using Salvan Ahmed and Miles Gaskin, two undrafted free agents, as their running backs rather than him. And Now he's going to be hitting the free agent market, but with his age and his speed, I think he's still a top-five fastest running back in the NFL. I think that if he signed to a team where he could be the second or third guy, just get a couple touches and then break some of them long, he could make his presence known immediately on any team in the league. Fourth, I've got Daryl Williams, the right tackle from the Buffalo Bills. He's 29, he, according to PFF. He was a top 20 rated total tackle in the NFL. He was really, really, really great, but I think that because he just doesn't have a big name, he's not going to go in the first three days, but he does put up production very similar to Villanueva and Moten and Trent Williams and other fantastic tackles in the league. He was pivotal for the type of offense that Buffalo ran, where Allen was always moving about the pocket. They need fantastic tackles, and he did that to a T. He only let up six or three sacks, and played every single game. So he played 16 games and only let up three sacks. It was just all around very, very good. But because he doesn't have the biggest name, he'll fly under the radar. Somebody will snag him up, hopefully a playoff team, and solidify their offensive line. I would actually love him to go to the Jets as well. Next is a Jet, Jordan Jenkins, outside linebacker, who's only 27. Uh, he wasn't so successful as an edge rusher this year, but he's shown in previous years that he can rack up sacks in the past. Just two years ago, he was the leading sack getter on the Jets. He fits a 3-4 system very well, and I don't even think he's hit his ceiling yet. I don't think that he's going to come in and be a Pro Bowl level edge, but I definitely think he could be a good rotational edge, start on some teams, and do the best out of a very small market that's going to be going for his name. Next is a guy at a position that's very, very deep. Like we've been saying, the wide receiver position, there's so, so, so many guys. I was thinking of doing Kendrick Bourne or John Ross for this position, but instead I'm going to go David Moore from the Seahawks. His big playability has always been there. Obviously with Russell Wilson at the helm, he's gotten a lot, a lot of deep balls, but he's never even gotten a chance to be anything more than the fourth option on the team. And from what I've seen of him in the very limited snaps, if he were to get a bigger role on a team that does air raid and throw the ball deep, 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 he could be a great value signing to go on maybe two years, very, very small money, still only 26 years old, very young, get another two really good consistent years out of him. Next, I've got Troy Hill, the corner from the LA Rams. He's very wishy-washy, but he is a big play waiting to happen. 
He had three picks last year, two of them actually back to the house. And I think that if he can tighten up his deep coverage and can tighten up just the tackling and the more technical stuff, he is always going to be a ball hawk. The ball somehow finds its way to him so many, so many times. And he can show that he can be an elite level corner. Right now, I think that he's maybe the second tier or the third tier, but because he just doesn't have the biggest name and he's on a defense with Darius Williams and Jalen Ramsey and John Johnson in the secondary, he hasn't gotten as big of recognition, yet he is the guy. And I think that if he goes to a team that can put him as the cornerback one, cornerback two, play on the boundary. I mean, I know that he played the slot for a little bit, but if he, I think that he can succeed on the boundary and could do some really great stuff up in 2021. Number eight, I've got Nicholas Morrow, the middle linebacker, outside linebacker hybrid for the Oakland Raiders. I think that he was a bright spot in a really shitty defense. They didn't get the most out of Nick Kwiatkowski. Their draft picks on the front in Cleveland Farrell, Arden Key, they've been below average, but he has been a bright spot in this really bad defense. This past season, he led his career in tackles, led in tackles for loss, led in sacks. He is still very, very young, and I think that if he does leave this Oakland system, he could find some success in another. The next person that I've got is, you might laugh, and you might say, what? No, he's not, but listen to my breakdown of why. And I've got Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. And that is that I think that he could be a top three backup quarterback in the league. I don't think that a team should sign him to a starting deal. I do not think that the Chicago Bears should bring him back. I think that he should just go somewhere else. He's still fairly young. He has the ability to run, which gives him such a higher placement than other backups. And then I know that you're saying, well, why not bring in a backup that has more veteran leadership? I think that what you could do with him is sure him up as a longtime backup. I mean, we see the Oakland Raiders just got Marcus Mariota, and in that game against the Chargers, he came in and actually played pretty solid. I know that Carr ended up coming in in the end, but to have a player like that that could maybe even be sign him for a three-year deal and make him mentor another young guy, uh, maybe even bring him to the Jets, have him run in this. He's a mobile quarterback that works in the San Francisco system, which is what's going to be brought into the Jets. They're getting the second pick, which is ironically exactly what Mitchell Trubisky was, and he could say what he did wrong. And though he wasn't the most successful quarterback in his time, he still has a lot to teach to the next quarterbacks. I think that teams need backups badly, and backup quarterback is a position that's obviously very overlooked because it's not starting, and unless it's necessary, they don't go in at all. But the teams that significantly use their backup quarterbacks, I'm going to name you the teams that use their backup for like a significant time this season. The Niners, Jags, Jets, Cowboys, Dolphins, Bears, Washington, Eagles, Bengals, Saints, Giants, Panthers, Broncos, Raiders. That is 15 teams out of the 32 teams that significantly used their backup at some point this year. So that's almost half used a backup. If he falls to the almost half that ends up having a quarterback go down with injury, quarterback gets COVID, anything like that, he is the guy to step in there and do very well. He played very well in his final four games, showed that he's definitely a top 35 quarterback in the NFL. And I agree with him being there. And lastly, a guy that's much older than the rest of the guys on this list, but 
has reason to be here. It's Ryan Kerrigan, the D-end from Washington football team. He's a veteran who can teach by showing, not just teach by telling. There are, like I said, veteran quarterbacks who would mostly just sit behind him and tell him what to do. But I think that Kerrigan can still be at least somewhat productive on a team that lacks an amazing edge rusher. He's still very talented. And when I look at the other edge rushers that are old enough and have enough veteran leadership to teach kit to teach younger players yet also be pretty solid in their own right the three that came to mind were Jadavian Clowney, Melvin Ingram and Matt Judon who are all going to be getting paydays and a half and Ryan Kerrigan will not be getting a payday whatsoever if anything he's going to be signing for a minimum to just be there for a very short time teach a younger player and go and I think that with the number that he's going to get that is something that every team should flock to that has a young edge rusher and wants to learn from a guy who's been in the league for 10 plus years has multiple pro bowls and is still productive at his age today well thank you guys so much for listening uh it was a great episode i'm so excited for free agency to start obviously the biggest thing is we still have our free agency frenzy challenge is still open we've had so many people signing up this past week and we need more and more and more so please tell your friends do not forget to repost and tag three people in the comments like i said before and yeah well thank you so much for listening i hope you guys have an amazing day and peace